you want to open up to Jeremiah chapter 17, we are continuing through a series today called Life as Liturgy. Liturgy is this very churchy word. It has a a, a number of different kind of meanings, connotations. Uh, It basically means it's the work of the people. And for us as a church, when we can't gather, we can't do kind of our normal Sunday morning uh, activity, we're still the body of Christ throughout the week. And so this summer, we've just been looking at what is the work of God's people? Uh, what are the different things that, that we do that we commit to um, as followers of Jesus? And the hope for the summer is this, that we would fix our attention on God, that God would be uh, where our focus is with the, in the midst of all the craziness going on in the world, our attention would be fixed on God. And today, as we just continue through the series, I want to look at uh, a liturgy of trust, a liturgy of trust. And here's kind of the the premise for today. Where we place our trust is a matter of life or death. Where we place our trust is a matter of life or death. That might sound like kind of an extreme statement, um, but hang with me. Jeremiah chapter 17, there's this Hebrew poem that was used as a liturgy uh, that I want to read through. And there's kind of two images that emerge uh, in this passage. But we'll start in verse 5, Jeremiah 17, verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the man who trusts in man. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. The person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream, does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. This is a liturgy of trust. This is an old Hebrew poem. I've heard this passage. it's, it's, It's all about this trusting heart. Uh, and it can be misunderstood that when you, when you read it, you think maybe it's talking about someone who believes and someone who doesn't, someone who has faith or someone who doesn't. But really, it's not a matter of what you believe in or put, put your, or that matter of you believing or, or trusting. It's, it's a matter of what you put your trust in. Because the truth is, all of us have faith in something. All of us trust in something. All of us believe in something. What this passage is talking about, though, is where is that trust directed? Christopher Wright, in his commentary on Jeremiah, says, We are all persons of faith. The only difference is the object of our faith. We are all people who believe in something. We're all people who trust in something. The difference is where our trust lies. What is the object of our trust? In this poem, there's a couple different stanzas. There's kind of two images that are set up. The idea of blessed and curse, the idea of a withering bush and a flourishing tree. Uh, the word cursed uh, sounds, you know, so uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a strong word, cursed. It's the Hebrew word arar, arar. And it literally means uh, to something that withers, something that is stunted. 
Um, and, and the first stanza, this person that is cursed, uh, they're cursed for a couple different things. The first is that they've placed their trust in man. The second is that they've traced, placed their trust in their flesh. One translation says they've kind of placed their trust in themselves. And then finally, they've turned their hearts away from God. And so they're trusting in things that are outside of God. So let's look at this kind of this first thing. They've placed their trust in man. This is something that is so hard to do uh, because we want to depend on, on leaders. We want to depend on people. Um, but the truth is all people are human beings. And all people, because they're human beings, are broken. And so when we place trust in another human, we're eventually going to be disappointed. I learned this early in my life. Um, And I was reminded of it this week because, I don't know if you watch the news, but the boxer, Mike Tyson, is coming out of retirement to fight. Have you guys been following that? He's like, you know, mid-50s, something like that. He's in incredible shape. You see, like, the videos of him fighting, you're like, oh, my goodness, I wouldn't want to fight him right now. Uh, But he's coming out of of retirement. And what made made me think back to, like, when I was in high school, I was a huge boxing fan. I loved watching boxing. And there were some epic battles between Mike Tyson and Evander the Real Deal Holyfield. Maybe you remember uh, that, that uh, super controversial fight where Mike Tyson, you know, actually bit Evander Holyfield in the ear. So um, I was a huge Evander Holyfield, Evander the Real Deal Holyfield fan. And in 1999, I was like 16 or 17, uh, my favorite boxer was about to fight this heavyweight bout with a man named Lennox Lewis. Now, I was super excited about this because Evander was one of my favorite athletes. And as he was going into this fight, um, I was excited. My friends and I were going to watch it. And, uh, and I thought, you know, there's no way Evander Holyfield could lose. Uh, the first of all, he predicted that he was going to win because he said, you know, I, I actually, I, he's a follower of Jesus. And he would say that he was anointed by God to win this fight. And not only was he going to win it, he said God told him he was going to win, and he was going to knock out Lennox Lewis in the third round. And so, like, I'm like, oh, he's totally going to win this. And I may or may not have placed, you know, like a friendly wager on Evander Holyfield. And my thought was, like, Lennox Lewis is from England. So if it was like a soccer match, you know, he might have a chance. But this is boxing. Evander, the real deal Holyfield, is going to win this. And I remember, like, watching that, you know, boxing match, watching that fight, and uh, gets to the third round, and, and he's like, okay, here it comes. I'm going to knock him out in this round, just like I would, predicted. Goes to the third round. Lennox Lewis doesn't go down. Lennox Lewis actually uh, takes, you know, the storm of punches from Evander Holyfield and then goes on to battle him and then ends up winning, ends up winning the fight. And I remember thinking, like, wait a second. Evander said he was going to win. Like, he even predicted. He said God told him that he was going to win. How in the world did he lose? And I remember like being super disappointed, super frustrating, and went and talked to my, my dad's a pastor. I remember like, Dad, he, he said God told him he was going to win. And I remember my dad being like, yeah, I don't think that's how God works, right? <laughs> like super disappointed in Evander, the real deal, Holyfield. Uh, we, I, I learned kind of at early age, we, we place trust and hope in, in like a, a person, whether it's an athlete, a celebrity, a leader, and even the ones that say that they are the anointed will leave us disappointed. When we place our trust in man, the only person that we can place trust in that will not disappoint us is Jesus. And in this poem, we're reminded that those who place their trust in man will be disappointed. The second thing is to place trust in self. 
to place trust in your own strength. This is uh, something that I think, especially for control freaks, is hard to do. Um, I got, I'm just going to have to do it myself, right? And, and a lot of people who kind of place trust in themselves, what maybe they've learned early on in life is that placing trust in other people uh, ends up leaving them disappointed. And so they know if I want to do it right, or if I want to be kind of like have control of this, I'm going to place trust in myself and my own ability. There's a self-reliance. And that's not always a bad thing, but like this is something that I think is just uh, very prevalent in our culture is this kind of self-reliance. I'm going to place trust in myself. I'm going to bet on myself. I'm the one that can get this done. And what happens is we end up failing as well. We're these broken humans, and even when we rely on our own ability, we are left foolish, cursed, broken, withered. Maybe you've experienced that in life. Maybe you've gone through uh, a season where you were betting against yourself and you ended up failing. Maybe you haven't yet. It's coming. We're broken people, and when we put all of our trust in ourselves, we're left withered, unfulfilled, disappointed. And then finally it says uh, that they also turned their hearts from God. They placed trust in things outside of God. And I think this is, this is a temptation for us as humans that goes all the way back to the creation story in Genesis, where we try to find fulfillment, we try to find success, we try to find identity in things that are outside of God. And what tends to happen is those things uh, leave us unfulfilled. We place our trust in things outside of God. And here's what it says when we start to do that, when we place our trust in people or our own strength or, or things outside of God. Verse six, 6 says, the person will be like a bush in the wastelands. The, a bush in the wastelands. So the Hebrew word for, for bush is ar awar. And so cursed is ar ar, and then a bush is ar awar. So this is kind of like a pun. And if you're reading this in the regional original Hebrew language, you would kind of see this play on words. But this bush in the wasteland is a bush that's in the desert. It says they will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in the salt land where no one lives. Here in Phoenix, we're familiar with uh, 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 bushes in the desert, right? Like it's, it's summertime. Uh, we have finally had rain uh, yesterday, for the first time in like 103 days, uh, we live in a desert that is a wasteland, especially this time of year. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, that my wife and I had, and took the kids, went with the family on vacation to New Mexico. We went up to the mountains up by Colorado, up to Angel Fire, this gorgeous uh, you know, place up in the mountains. When we were coming back, you know, you're, you're driving down from this elevation and you know, green trees into the desert. And if you go through Payson right now, you will see that the desert isn't only just this parched land, but it was destroyed by fire. And so as far as the eye can see, you look out over these rolling desert hills, and it's just this wasteland, just completely uh, burnt, torched, torched earth type thing. Uh, it says that the people who trust in man or themselves or things outside of God are like this withering bush in a wasteland. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert. We understand this imagery living here in Phoenix. Misplaced trust leaves 
to this weariness, this disappointment. Then it goes on to say this, when it goes into the second image, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought or pandemic and never fails to bear fruit. The first image, this cursed person who has trusted in things outside of God is like a withering bush. The second person who has trusted in the Lord is like a tree that flourishes, a tree that is planted by a river. It has a sound of Psalm chapter 1, the same kind of imagery that's used here, a tree that is planted by a stream, a tree flourishing. Proverbs eleven twenty eight, uh, in the message, Eugene Peterson's translation says this, a life devoted to things is a dead life, a stump. But a God-shaped life is a flourishing tree. A God-shaped life is a flourishing tree. My wife and I took uh, our kids out to Bartlett Lake last week, just wanted to, to get away, get a change of scenery again. The summer tends to do that to you here. You just like want different scenery. And as we went out to Bartlett Lake, you again are driving through the desert. And just like when we were coming home from New Mexico, we saw the desert. As we were driving out of the desert, we got near water, we got near the river, we got near the lake, and all of a sudden you see green trees sprouting up. When the writers of scripture are talking about one who trusts in God, it's this idea that there's this rootedness into something that nourishes you. Even in the midst of a desert, there's a flourishing that happens. Um, the trees in this passage are, there's three things that we find. They're, they're, the trees are planted. There's these sacred roots. The tree is planted. It's protected. And it's productive. The tree. All three of them start with the letter P, because I'm a pastor, and it's easy to remember that. These trees that that represent a person trusting in God. They're planted, they're protected, and they're productive. Let's look at this idea of being planted, to being planted as we trust in God. Uh, when Jesus was speaking in John chapter 15, he uses the, the, the imagery of a vine with branches, and he says this is where life comes from, being attached to the vine. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Verse five says, I am the vine, you are the branches, If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. As a father, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. These are the words of Jesus. And and he's not messing around here. He says, apart from me, there is, you can do nothing. There's nothing that you can do apart from me but remain in me. This is where the life is found. Remain in me and remain in my love. When you're planted, there's these sacred roots that are nourished by God's love. And in the midst of everything that is going on right now, this is where our life comes from, from God. Not from the things of this world, not from all the things that we are distracted by, not of all the the way that we're gathering information. The life comes from being rooted in God's love. We're planted. And then it says that we're protected. We're protected. It says 
that there is no fear of the heat for this plant. Even though a drought's coming, the tree has no fear because of its rootedness. It's where it gets its life, but it's also where it has protection in the midst of drought. It's able to store up water. Jesus tells another parable about a man uh, who built his house on a rock. We have the famous story of the wise and the foolish builders. Now, the man who builds his house on the rock, when storms come, he's able to withstand it because he has a firm foundation. The foolish builder in the story builds his house in the sand, and when the storms come, it knocks the house over. There's a, a certain protection that comes when we have rooted ourselves, when Christ is our foundation, when we have allowed ourselves to be established in trusting in him and his promises. There's protection that is there. I think this is important in the midst of a, a very uncertain and scary time. Uh, there's all sorts of things that just captivate our imagination, that allow our fears to kind of run wild. And if, if you're, you're kind of getting your nourishment from, uh, you know, what the media is saying or, or nourishment from just like all the fear narratives right now, um, there, there's reason to be concerned. And yet at the same time, it can completely consume you. There's great brokenness in this world. There's great evil in this world. But the source of life comes from being rooted in God, planted in him, and protected. And if you're like me and you're just kind of watching everything that's happening with the pandemic, everything that's happening with racial tension, everything that's happening with politics right now, it's overwhelming. There's all sorts of reason to be fearful. And yet, at the same time, when our trust is in God, not in people, not in institutions, not in things, we're reminded that there's a sovereign God who watches over us. Gavin Ortland is a pastor that I follow on uh, social media. Um, really like some of the books that he's written. He's a, he's a PK like me who's now a pastor. Um, but he was talking about just some grandfather wisdom. He said, my grandfather used to say, if you give the devil enough time, he always overplays his hand. And I think about that all the time in ministry. The evil one's greatest weakness is pride, and our greatest tool is perseverance. The devil always plays, overplays his hand. And in this world where it feels like there's this great evil and brokenness that feels like it's crashing in all around us, we're reminded this, that at some point the devil will be defeated. The evil one will be defeated, and our strength is perseverance because we are rooted and planted and protected with our trust in God. And then in the midst of, of a drought, this tree, not only does it survive, not only is this tree protected, but the tree is productive. It produces fruit. And I think about that with everything that's happening with this pandemic for our church. Not only is Desert City surviving, but to, to be a church that produces fruit because we're called to a mission. We're called, we're commissioned to be followers of Jesus who are Disciples of Jesus that are making disciples of Jesus. And we have this calling that's corporate, and we have this calling that's individual as well. That in the midst of these uncertain circumstances, we're not just going to survive, but we're going to produce fruit because of where our trust lies. Walter Brueggemann, uh, the great Old Testament scholar who wrote a wonderful commentary on Jeremiah in this passage, says this in his devotional, A Way Other Than Our Own. And I think this has to do with the idea of that when in the midst of, of, of a drought, not only are we don't have to be fearful because we're protected, but we can be productive. He says, the truth is this. The truth is that frightened people never turn the world. 
because they use too much energy on protection of self. It is the vocation of the baptized, the known and named and unafraid, to make the world whole. The unafraid are open to neighbor, the neighbor, while the frightened are defending themselves from the neighbor. The unafraid are generous in the community, while the frightened, in their anxiety, must keep and store and accumulate to make themselves safe. The unafraid commit acts of compassion and mercy, while the frightened do not notice those in need. The unafraid are committed to justice for the weak and poor, while the frightened see themselves see them only as threats. The unafraid pray in the morning, care through the day, and rejoice at night in thanks and praise, while the frightened are endlessly restless and dissatisfied. So, dear people, each of you, do not fear. I have called you by name, and you are mine. Not only do we have to be unafraid because we are protected by God, but we are productive, we produce fruit. We don't stop in our mission as a church, as God's people, as his disciples, to keep producing fruit in the midst of uncertainty. In this liturgy of trust, what we find are two images. There's both a shrub that's withering, and there is a tree that's flourishing. And here's the thing, they both experience drought in this poem. They both experience the heat. They both experience the pandemic. But the tree doesn't just endure. It stays fruitful. And the difference between the tree and the shrub is its rootedness. It is rooted. Its trust is in the Lord. Its trust is in God. With everything that is going on in our world right now, God's people are called to place our trust not in other people, not in ourselves, not in things outside of God. We place our trust in the Lord. There's this old poem that I want to end with, and the author of it's unknown. But maybe this is a a prayer that you just need to hear today when it comes to where we place our trust. Here are the words. It says, trust him. When dark doubts assail thee, trust him when thy strength is small. Trust him when to simply trust him seems the hardest thing of all. Trust him, he is ever faithful. Trust him, for his will is best. Trust him, for the heart of Jesus is the only place of rest. Maybe today you need to turn your trust to Jesus. Maybe you need to just surrender something in your heart that say, Lord, here's where I need to find my rest, knowing that I am planted, protected, productive. We place our trust in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this liturgy of trust, these old ancient Hebrew words spoken thousands of years ago, Lord, but still vibrant, alive. We're reminded today, Lord, that in the midst of just everything that's going on in our world, our trust is in you. And when we turn our eyes off of you, when we get fixated on our circumstances, on our surroundings, and all the information, 
we find ourselves withering like a shrub in the desert. You remind us, Lord, that when we trust in you, you are the sovereign God who gives us life, who desires life eternal for us. We're like a tree rooted near a river. We get nourishment and life from your presence, planted, protected, productive. Lord, may we fix our eyes on you today. May we place our trust in you. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray.